That's our way of saying, God, we bless you. You've been good to us. How many believe that the blessings of God are meant for us to be a blessing? Amen. How many of y'all been blessed by the Lord? Let me see your hand. We've all been blessed by the Lord. Has God given you help to enjoy? Have you thanked the Lord for your help this morning? How many of you thanked the Lord for the help he's given you this morning? I'll tell you what, we have been blessed beyond measure. And let me just remind you, God blesses us in order to make us a blessing. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. The Lord has been so good to me and so good to you. And you know what? He wants us to make a difference in others' lives. I've been praying today and this week and considering what the Lord would have us to look at. We're looking at this subject title this morning, What's It Gonna Take? What's It Going to Take? That's the title today as we continue our wonderful study in the book of all books called the book of Revelation. But let me tell you what I read this week on Friday. I read about a couple that went out in South Dakota hiking. And as they were walking along, they took their little dog. They have a little Yorkie, Josh, kind of like Rocky, you know, a little small dog, a lot of hair, and a little precious dog. However, the dog's name is Bear. And as they were walking along, according to the report I read, the dog named Bear darted out in front of them in the middle of the trail, and all of a sudden, the dog let out a yelp. And they were not aware of what had happened. And then shortly thereafter, they heard that sound rattling. It was a rattlesnake. The rattlesnake did not rattle before it struck and bit the dog, but it started rattling after. Now, they were not absolutely sure that the dog had been bitten at that time, and they did a close examination on the dog only to discover that the dog bear had been bitten indeed. He started uh, acting funny, and so they thankfully were able to find a local uh, animal hospital a few miles away. A veterinarian was able to treat bear and thus save the dog's life. But I said that to say this, the dog literally saved their life in an essence, or at least it took the blunt of that bite where they would not have to take it. He darted out in front of them, sensing the danger, and thus took the snake bite. I got to thinking about that. About 2,000 years ago, there was a, a man who was sentenced to die on a cross. Why? Because of blasphemy. He claimed to be God. In fact, he really was. It was Pilate who tried to wash his hands a little white, and Caiaphas and Annas who turned him over to the Jews, and rather, instead of releasing him, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they chose, they chose to crucify him. Barabbas was released, a criminal indeed. And as that centurion soldier took those spikes and placed them in his hands, and with several skilled blows in his hands and feet, he was nailed to a tree that he made. I love that old song, when he was on the cross. I was on his mind, you were on his mind. Yes, love grew where the blood fell. And you recall that scene as Jesus took the snake bite of sin, the snake bite of death, the snake bite 
of Satan in order to set us free. It was there as he hung between heaven and earth that the Roman soldiers gambled for his garments below the cross. It was there that, uh, oh yes, uh, Jesus Christ uttered those words from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. For a long time I didn't understand that. And then it dawned on me, I'm guilty, we're guilty. And yet, Jesus, thank God, was willing to take my place in your place. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for us to turn to him? What's it going to take for us to surrender our life to him? What's it going to take for us to go and tell the good news? What's it going to take for us to lay aside our anxiety? What's it going to take for us uh, uh, to not be critical and not uh, be carnal? Jesus, as he hung on the cross, he said uh, that second saying as the two malefactors crucified, one on either side, deserving to die, one responded by saying, if you be the Christ, come down from the cross. The other said, no, this man's done nothing amiss, and said, remember me today. Jesus turned to that malefactor and said, today you should be with me in paradise. Yes, from the cross, as the Father had to turn a veil over the earth. It was Christ who looked at his mother, namely Mary, and said, Behold, woman, your son, speaking of John the Beloved, who leaned on his breast, who outraced Peter to the tomb on the resurrection morning. And then he said to John, Behold, your mother. But that fourth saying, as Christ was bearing my sins and your sins on his body, on the tree, it was the fourth saying, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabbatana, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I confess to you, beloved, I don't understand in my finite mind the infinite, the incomprehensible, how a holy God named the Father would send his Son to die in my place. And yet he did. What's it going to take? What's it going to take as to such oneness between the Father and the Son from eternity past? And yet... God the Father had to fill the land with darkness. Why? Because His Son, Jesus, was taken upon the sins of the whole world. No sin in Him. Yet all sins were on Him. Literally, Paul wrote and said, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And the church said, Hallelujah. Oh, what's it going to take, beloved? What's it going to take? for us to let Jesus have his way with us. What's it going to take? I tell you, every daddy, every mama, every husband and wife, God will make you a better husband or wife. God will make you a better Christian. God will make you a better citizen. Even that alone ought to get you to turn to God and trust in Jesus Christ. But remember, as the darkness shadowed the scene of the cross and the blood uh, ran down the cross and, and again the compromising cowardly crowd watched that terrible execution and yet Jesus said no man takes my life I have the power to lay it down and raise it up again yes uh, he came for that particular purpose born to die Mary had a lamb. Oh, yes, she did. Oh, bless the Lord. And as he uh, was uh, suffering and bleeding and dying, 
Mind you, it's not just the physical suffering that makes the cross so significant. Rather, it's the spiritual implication how he tasted death for every man and he experienced my hell and your hell. Why? That we wouldn't have to go to hell. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's it going to take? I said, what's it going to take? Christ, uh, bearing our sins on the cross, said, uh, he said, I thirst then to tell us thy, it is finished. Hallelujah. Everything man had lost in the garden when Adam and Eve had disobeyed God for taking the fruit that they were told not to from that point on. The soul that sinned shall surely die. And all are born with a sin nature by choice and birth, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and 19 and 23. And David said, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. But wait a minute, Jesus, as he was dying on the cross, he said that final saying, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I said, what's it going to take for you to love the Lord? I said, what's it going to take for America to experience revival? What's it going to take for our community to wake up? What's it going to take for us to get on fire for God? What's it going to take for us to break free from Satan and sin? What's it going to take for us to confess our sins before God? What's it going to take for us to run the race? What's it going to take? Oh, yes. I want to tell you, he didn't stay on the cross. No, rather, placed in the tomb. And as he declared three days, oh, I will rise again according to the word of God and the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the will of God, Jesus Christ came up out of the grave the third day conquering death, hell and sin and the grave he lives forevermore as we were just singing. And brother, I want to tell you, he crushed the devil's head. He stomped on the serpent's head. Yes, he holds the keys to death and hell. What a Savior. What a Savior. I said, what a Savior. I said, he's done more for me than I deserve. I said, he's been good to me. I said, if he took me home today, I'll tell you, he don't know anything else. God's been good. What's it going to take? Maybe some listening by way of the live stream. What's it going to take? You've been on your back. You've been sick. And God's raised you up from the dead, as it were. And you still aren't serving God. And you still, I love you, but i got to tell you, what's it going to take to get your attention? What's it going to take? I'll tell you what. Oh, there are three reasons God put in my heart that you and I ought to answer God's call today. Maybe God's calling you right now to come follow him. Maybe God's saying, take up a cross. Maybe the Lord's calling you and me to spend a little bit more time with him in that sweet hour of prayer. What's it going to take? Three callings, three reasons you and I ought to answer that calling today and say, yes, Lord, here am I. And we're going to look at them today as you take your Bibles. And those, please grab your Bible and look at the book of Revelation chapter 9. Find the book of Revelation chapter 9. And as we look at this wonderful text today, what's it going to take? Oh, what's it going to take, beloved? We've already looked at chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. We've looked at chapter 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation in regards to the seven 
churches, we've also had time to delve into chapter 4, that wonderful chapter in regards to worship and praise to the Lamb. I tell you, there's some of us, God's people need to shake off the cobwebs of, of apathy and indifference and say, Gee, Jesus, I tell you, you've been good to me. Yes, what's it going to take to answer his call? His call to go witness to your neighbor. His call uh, that you need to let go of that bitterness. What's it going to take? You've been worried. You've been troubled. You've been full of anxiety. What's it going to take to move past that? And I'll tell you, we looked at not only chapter 2 and 3 and 4, but we came to chapter 5 a few months ago. And chapter 6, the opening of the seven seals. Chapter 7, the sealing of the 144,000. Chapter 8, silence in heaven for 30 minutes. And then in chapter 8, you remember, we looked at that great picture of prayer where that incense of the cries of God's people touch heaven. Hallelujah. Touch heaven. How many want to touch heaven today? Oh, yes, John, you need to touch heaven today. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to get you where you ought to, and you and I will be in the center of the will of God? Yes. What's it going to take? We've looked at chapter 11, the two witnesses. We've looked at chapter 13, the mark of the beast. We've looked at chapter 14 of following up on those 144. We looked at chapter 16 in reference to these kings who be led over the Euphrates River into that battle of all battles, namely battle of Armageddon. And then we skipped over to chapter 19, that great scene when Christ comes again in the second coming. And then we've also looked at chapter 21. But now we come back to chapter 9. Look at it with me. Open your Bibles. We're looking at three reasons. What's it going to take? For you and I to answer God's call. And three reasons I just want to open up and say, what do you need? Why you and I need to answer God's call. In a moment, we're going to read it. Number one, I'll tell you, we are marked men on a mission. We're marked men on a mission. Number two, deadly demons are destroying. Number three, Jesus is calling us. Jesus is calling us. Look at it. Stand together. We read the wonderful Word of God. Revelation chapter 9. We pick up in verse number 1 of Revelation 9. If you're there, say amen. Please grab your Bible. This is the apocalypsis. And by the way, chronologically speaking, you'll notice here on the screen before we read, we're now in the church age. This could happen a few years from today. I begin to think about it all week and today and yesterday and last night. I thought the events that I'm going to read today right now could happen in just uh, one, a couple of years. A couple of years. It's not maybe way off in the thousand-year reign. Oh, no, this is going to take place during the tribulation. Jesus comes back for the church, and then in the rapture, and then the second coming. Here, we're going to be focusing on what's taking place right after the rapture. I'll tell you, it's getting very close. I believe that with all my heart. In chapter 9 of the book of Revelation, notice verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Let me pause there to reference a couple of words and we'll move on. The word fall there is the word pipto. Pipto in the Greek. It means to descend. A star falls. What is this star? Many say it could be Satan. Others say it may be an angel. All I know is a star falls from heaven unto the earth. And notice he's given a key to the bottomless pit. This bottomless pit is translated abyss. It's a shaft that leads down to the 
uh, deeper part of the earth. That's the literal rendering of the text of the abyss or the bottomless pit. Notice what happens. This either angel or Satan has the key to the bottomless pit. What's in the pit? What's fixing to happen? What's God going to do? Let's keep reading. He opened, verse 2, the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke out of the great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out smoke out of the smoke, locusts upon the earth. None of them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded, underline verse 4, please. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. But please underline this next phrase. But only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. We'll come back to that in a moment. Hold that thought. Look at verse 5. And to them it was given, that is, these locusts, these demon creatures, to them it was given that they should not kill them, that is, those who did not have the mark of God on them. The devil's not your friend. He'll turn on you. He'll stab you in the back. We'll see that very clearly right here. To them it was given, verse 5, that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented. How long? Five months. And their torment was as a torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Now, we understand the scorpion won't kill you, but it'll sure hurt you. It's a very painful bite. Anybody been stung by a scorpion here? Okay, some of you have. Uh, we, I've been told that in the Eastern cultures, young children, if they got stung, some of them would indeed die. And at any rate, they says that they'll sting for five months. Look at verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death. They'll want to die. I've never seen a time, beloved, in our culture, in our nation, where young people are killing themselves. Twenties, thirties, they can't handle it. That's why I'm saying, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Even maybe some of you today are discouraged or depressed. What's it going to take for God to bring you out? What's it going to take for the Lord to do in your life to give you a perspective of heaven? Keep reading. Verse number uh, said they, verse six says they'll seek death and not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them and the shapes of the locusts here's a description of these hideous creatures the shapes of the locusts were like horses prepared unto battle and on their heads were as it were that phrase is used fifty three times in the book of Revelation as it were and as it uh, uh, was going to be uh, crowns like gold verse seven and their faces were the faces of men. This is a mighty, terrible description of these demon evil spirits. Verse 8, And they have hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of the lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of the wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running the battle. And notice verse 10, They had tails like scorpions, and they, there was stings in their tails, and they had power, their powers to hurt men five months. And then they have a king. Notice this. They've got a king over them. I don't believe this is Satan, but evidently this is a high-ranking demon creature that Satan has assigned to this abyss and over these demons. Notice. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Remember that abyss we described in verse 1, this shaft that leads down to a deeper part of the earth. He says... Uh, they had an uh, angel at the bottom of the pit. They had a king. Go back to verse 11. They had a king over them, which is the angel at the bottom of his pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. The word Abaddon means destruction. His name uh, in the Greek tongue is uh, Apollyon. The word Apollyon means destroyer. So he's a destroyer. He's destruction. I don't have to tell you, beloved, right now, how the enemy's doing his dirty work in our community, around our earth. 
our nation. Notice, one woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes hereafter. Verse 12. And then the sixth angel sounded. I heard a voice says from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Pause there for a moment. You do know that Euphrates connects the east from the west. There are some who translate what we're fixing to read, these 200 million army, as in literal people from China, Japan, and India, those armies of the east. However, I think a closer investigation indicates these are not armies of literal men. Rather, this is a picture of demonic uh, evil spirits. And at any rate, we know that China and the armies of the east will indeed cross over the Euphrates River according to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. I thought I'd point that out as we go along. And then notice what in verse number 15. And the four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay. How many men? One-third. One-third of the men. Can you imagine one-third of the population dying? Now listen, beloved, there's 8 billion people on planet Earth right now. I calculated one-third of 8 billion. You know how many it is? 2.66666 billion people will die. Now this is before, notice the rapture will take place, so that will even eliminate that. One-third of the population will die. Over there in Revelation 6, one-fourth of the population die. Man, we've seen death untold. Whether the, the numbers have been inflated, I've said it about every Sunday. I read this morning, 162,000 people have died in America over the coronavirus. We would not have believed this a year ago that that many people, even in Georgia and other places in our nation, whether that be true or not, you be the judge. All I'm saying is that there has been a pandemic, epidemic, there's been a terrible, deadly disease that has infected our land, and it certainly has affected everything. Look around in the church. We are affected by it. However, this is not far-fetched or science fiction. It is reality. One-third of the population will die according to the Scriptures. Notice verse 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen were how many? 200,000, thousand. That's 200 million. And I heard the number of them, and I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and jacinths, and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of, li of lions, and out of the mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of the men killed, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which issued out of their mouth, for their powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads with them. They hurt not. Look at verse 20, 21. And the rest of the men which were not killed by the plagues, I don't understand this. Yet repented not. Can you explain that to me? All the calamity, all the death and devastation, even today, there's still people that are angry and mad instead of repenting. What's it going to take? 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 Keep reading. The rest of the men, verse 20, which did, were not killed by these plagues, repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented. That word repented is metanoia, a change of heart, a change of attitude, a turning. They neither turn, they of their murderers, and nor of their sorcerers. That word sorcerer is the word pharmakia. It means magic or even can be defined as mind-altering. Notice, again, keep reading. They neither repented of their murders, verse 21, nor of their sorcerers, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. This is the word of God. God, help us to see what you're saying to us in this blessed passage. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you now. Jesus, you paid my sin debt in full. I can do but equate what you've done for me. Lord, I owe you my life. You have bought me with your blood. I pray for the, your church. And I pray, dear Lord, for Christians all up and down these roads and out scattered in America and throughout the world. Oh, Lord, you're telling us the time is late. We can be encouraged, but yet there's other battles to fight. There's enemies that we're going to face even now. I pray, dear Lord, you'll help us to answer your call. Maybe some soul is listening who've never been gloriously birthed in your family. Today may be the day of salvation. Lord, I'm convinced there's people who are listening right now who've gone through stuff and you've brought them out and you've uh, healed their body and you've uh, changed their heart and, and you've uh, uh, opened doors for them and you've been good to us. Help us to see your goodness leads us to, as you say in your word, to let you have your way with us. You've been good, Lord. Help us not to live the same way, leaving you out of our life, doing our own thing, being our own God. Oh, God, please. I pray for mercy, mercy, mercy upon our nation and mercy upon, Lord, the lost. And we say, as your people, God, change us and Give us grace in these days to run the race. Encourage your people today. Strengthen our hands. And God, I thank you. Your word is true. And you will perform what you say you perform. And we love you now and give you glory because of your love for me and for us. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going today in the message. Here's where we're going in the message. Notice. We ought to answer Jesus' calling. This is what God showed me about this matter, number one, because we are marked men on a mission. We are marked men on a mission. I derived that particular thought from the book of Revelation, chapter 9 and verse 4. We'll look at it in a moment. But secondly, in a moment, we're going to progress through chapter 9. As I was reading through it, I said, Lord, how can we dissect all of this chapter? What are the main points in this chapter? What are you saying to us? How can we apply this truth to our life? How many of y'all believe that the Word of God is not just for information? It was meant for application. Come on, talk to me. It's not just for information, it's application. However, people perish because of lack of knowledge. And I think we don't need to be ignorant of what God is saying in the last days and even in our present day. Oh, yes. Number two, because the deadly demons are destroying. We'll find that in verses 5 through verse 19. And then finally, number three, Jesus is calling. He's calling us to follow him. He's calling us to love him more than anything else in our life. And he'll make it well worth it, beloved, when we get to heaven. I'll promise you, he'll make it well worth it when we serve and love him. If his word is true, and it is, at the judgment seat of Christ, it'll be wonderful. Hallelujah. Oh, but wait a minute, because Jesus is calling us. Number one, why should you and I answer the call of God? Will you answer his call today? Will you stop making excuses today? Will you let him have his way with you today? Will you take your hands off your life and say, Lord Jesus, nobody cares for me like you. Oh, listen, your storms, your problems, your troubles, your trials, you can't go it alone. But there'll be a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. I need some help. I need somebody to help me. Uh, Y'all love Jesus. How many love Jesus? Let me see your hand. Has God been good to you? Let me hear. Has God been good to you? Have you been good to God? How many have been good to God? Oh, yes. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Number one, he, we should 
answers call. Why? Number one, we are marked men on a mission. Here's the text that I found this particular thought. Verse 4. It was commanded them. Now keep in mind, let me briefly summarize because we've read a lot of the passage. Keep in mind, there is this angel who falls, Pipto. He falls. Pipto is the word. Falls from heaven, an angel. Or perhaps Satan, whichever you prefer. I won't argue or split hairs with you. He falls from heaven, and he's got a key to this abyss, this bottomless pit. And he, this bottomless pit, a shaft that leads to the deeper part of the earth. I don't know some speculators down in the middle of the earth. I don't understand. I don't know completely. All I know is God says he unlocks this abyss, this bottomless pit. And in that bottomless pit are some evil spirits. How many believe in evil spirits? They're real. And the devil's not our friend. And, and I don't want to magnify evil spirits over elect spirits. But look, we can't just take the cotton candy in the Bible. We need to search all the scriptures. That's why I'm so thrilled. We're going through the Revelation. We're getting a good diet. The average Christian, by the way, and I'm not saying this critically, the average Christian only knows about one or two verses in the Bible. You know, the, you can be a dangerous man or woman just to grab your Bible and know one or two verses and think that you're some scholar or some theologian. I challenge you today to get in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Then you get a better idea. No, you may not be called to teach, but listen, beloved, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every bit of it. But I'll tell you today, we're satisfied, it seems, as a culture and as a trend, just to know one or two verses. They're our favorite verses. I've got them too. But God's challenging you and me to study the show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed. Right at the Bible, the word of truth. And it's much easier for me to preach today on something that we all like and we can jump up and shout about, although I hope we'll shout about this. But God is the God of the Bible. So he wants us to know about what's hereafter and how we should respond here and now. Wait a minute. Number one, mark men. Notice, this is interesting to me, beloved. I had to read it two or three times before I got the gist of it. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt. They, these demon creatures, they should not hurt. These locusts, hair like women, teeth like lions, and tails like scorpions. This is going to happen, beloved. This, again, I don't, uh, can't explain it, but I take this literally. It's going to happen. Oh, yes. They, uh, if God created heaven and earth, surely he can create, and he did, and he's got them confined at this moment that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither green things, neither any tree. But look, they should only hurt those men which have not the seal of God. I first read it and I thought, okay, they're going after the seal, those who are sealed. And I had to read it and read it and read it like you're doing right now. No, this is those who have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Here is the devil turning on his own crowd. I'm telling you, the devil's ugly. The devil's mean. All oh, the devil's apples have worms. Every single one of them. And so you need to know that uh, we are marked men. I said we're marked men on a mission. What are we talking about here? We're talking about those who had the supernatural seal of God. Namely, this is probably a reference to the 144,000, 12,000 out of the 12 tribes of Israel. They indeed will be supernaturally sealed. Why? Because God's got a plan for the Jewish people and he's going to fulfill that plan in the culmination of the climatic uh, consummation of human history. Namely, in the book of Revelation chapter 19 when Christ comes again. This is when the many of the Jews 
I'm going to go back to what I shared with you earlier. These Jewish people, that's why the tribulation was meant for the Jewish people, according to Daniel's writing, according to Ezekiel's writing, according to Isaiah's writing, according to other Old Testament, and Genesis, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Lord is going to save many, according to Paul's writing in Romans 11, chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. And so pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm one. 22 verse 6. Hey, can I be honest with you? When the Lord first saved me, I thought, who cares about the Jews? Who cares about Israel? I'll be honest with you. Way back in 1982. You know what I thought? I want to know what's in it for me. And I'm afraid to say, listen to me, beloved. I'm afraid to say we've adopted a American Christianized view of the Bible. The Bible wasn't written in America. Hello. The Bible wasn't written uh, for just Americans. But this is our biased opinion when we come to the Bible. But let me remind you that God's got a plan for his people, the Jews, and many, according to Zechariah 13, according to Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 9, one day many will turn to him, Zechariah 12, 10. They shall look upon him whom they pierce. I believe this is the crowd here. But wait a minute. I know you're already ready to cut me off. You'll say, well, that's them. That's not us. I'm going to come to us in a moment. All I'm saying is this. The Abrahamic covenant will be fulfilled. The Davidic covenant will be fulfilled. The new covenant will be fulfilled and the land covenant will be fulfilled. Leading up into the millennial reign, I'm telling you, the Bible unfolds this glorious truth from Genesis all the way to Revelation. If you missed this, you missed it. Today, why am I saying this? Today, there's a teaching, there is a prophetic uh, hermeneutics that teaches that the church replaces Israel. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I disagree wholeheartedly. If you ever hear that the church has replaced Israel, mark who's ever saying it as a covenant theologian. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you that the church does not replace Israel. No, why do I say that? And I'm going to move on. I wish you'd uh, study it for yourself. and Maybe you have. But if we take the Bible literally and historically as it's written, then you develop an understanding. Of the, by the way, you know you've got a certain understanding of the Bible when you read it right now. You've already developed a uh, what we call interpretational method of understanding the Bible. Whether you know it or not, maybe it's influenced by somebody else. I don't know, but I know this. I take the Bible literally when God says he's going to do it to the Jews and he hadn't done it yet. That means it must be fulfilled in the future. The other option is to take the Bible allegorically. Oh, God didn't really mean that. And the church replaces all these covenants with the Jews. Enough said about it. I love my friends that teach that, but I respectfully disagree wholeheartedly. It changes the whole concept of Bible prophecy. And furthermore, it's anti-Semitic. Y'all say, I don't care about that, Pastor. Well, we need to get our knowledge and our experience broadened a little bit to see what the Word of God's teaching in the whole world. Why? So that we can be better witnesses. Why? We can be better teachers, preachers, hello, of the Word of God. Now then, having said that, these deadly demons are going to mark and they're going to go after those who do not have the mark. And this will be, no doubt, the Jewish people. Wait a minute. I want to stop right here and now draw some application. We are marked men. I talked with a lady just the other day, 21 years old. She said, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. She said, I've been looking at all this coronavirus, COVID-19. And she said, I don't really know. If I died, I'd go to heaven. I said, what? You don't know? Well, tell me what it was that happened. She was raised in the church, like many of you maybe are raised in the church. 
Hey, you can sit in church all day long and have a little knowledge of a verse and two and here and there, but that doesn't mean you're saved. You've got to have a relationship with God. And here's what I asked her. I said, well, what did you do? When were you supposedly saved? She said, at 13 years old. I said, well, what happened? She said, I went to the altar. I said, why'd you go to the altar? She said, because my friends went to the altar. I said, really? I said, well, did you understand it? She said, not really. I said, well, what happened when you went to the altar? And I'm asking you the same thing. When you were saved, what really happened? That's not a bad question. It's a very pointed and very legitimate question to analyze. Have you really been saved? Why am I saying this? Because I was a lost church member. I asked her, I said, what happened when you went to the altar? You know what she said? She said, somebody came and prayed for me. I said, really? And you didn't pray? She said, no. And I said, no wonder you don't know if you're saved or not. How many know that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Has that happened to you? When has that happened to you? Do you know that you know? I know it happened to you. Melissa, I remember the night we had a gospel singing. And I'll never forget it. Sunday night over in the old building. Here comes Melissa down the altar. I need to get saved. Your daddy had been saved, if I'm not mistaken. He hadn't been saved at that time, okay? But God saved you, hallelujah. Now she's teaching Sunday school. Come on, let's bless the Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Hey, when did it happen to you? When did it happen to you? Do you know that you know that you know? I told this young lady, I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. I shared with her how to have a relationship with God. Not religion, relationship. There's a lot of people today who are mixed up and messed up and think they're going to heaven because they know one verse or two verses of Scripture or they've been in church when they was a child, but they've not been born again. There's never been a point maybe in their life when they've really turned from their sin and by faith trusted in Jesus Christ. And I'm not blaming you. Because I used to be there too. I'm burdened over lost church members. How many of y'all been a lost church member? Let me see your hand. You were in church. You were baptized. Yeah, man. I remember, Tammy, baptizing you. And who else had the hand raised? Lost church member. Hey, I was the same way. I've been baptized twice. Thank God the second time was the real deal. Have you really been saved? Listen, beloved. The point of death, when you come to go ready to meet God out in eternity, you need to know whether you're right with God or not. There's no second chance after death. It's appointed a man wants to die. Y'all listening? It's appointed one wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Look, I preach this a lot, and I know you, you know, it's commonplace, but I told this young lady, I said, I will get with God. If I was you, I'd get with God right now. This is the record that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He that has the son has life, but he that has not the son of God has not the life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How many of y'all believe that God wants us to know we're saved? I said he doesn't want us to hope and wonder. He wants us, the word know is the word gnosko. It means an experiential knowledge. Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God, Romans 8, 16. Oh, yes, he wants us to know. Do you know that you know that you know? Maybe there's somebody here today. You don't really know. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to get right with God? What's it going to take for you to repent of your sin? What's it going to take for you to turn and say, Jesus, I can't live a life that you want me to live outside of you. Save me from my sin. I trust in your shed blood alone. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can I tell you this? We are marked men. How many of y'all been saved? Let me see your hand. How many of y'all been saved? No doubt about it. All right, not everybody could raise your hand. I'm praying for you who couldn't raise your hand, but thank you for being honest. I'll tell you, we are marked men and we're marked women. 
I want, to know, I want to tell you right now, the devil would love to come and snatch us, as it were, out of God's hand, but he can't do it. We are marked men and marked women. We are marked by the cross of Christ. We are marked by the blood of the Lamb. We're marked by the precious promises of the Word of God. We are marked by, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. We're marked with the down payment of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 1. We are marked and called to follow the Son of the living God. I've got news for you. The devil can't stop the church. The the devil can't stop the Word of God. The devil and all the imps of hell, they're not on the winning team. I've read the last page. I'm on the winning team, thank God. I'm telling you, I'm going to a place that I don't deserve, a place that's where the soul never dies, a place where rust and moth does not decay, a place where thieves cannot break through and steal, a place uh, that's got solid pearls over the 12 gates, a place where the street is transparent glass like solid gold. I'm going to a place, a place called the city that lies foursquare. Oh, yes place whose walls are made of jasper, more colorful than that of a rainbow. I'm going to a place are marked men. We are marked women. We're going to place, beloved, you ought to shout, we're going to place where the river flows from the throne of God and the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. We're going to place, oh yes, uh, thank God where the sun and the moon it was not near for Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We are marked men. We are marked women. We have been uh, called by God to follow him, to take up a cross. We have been uh, appointed by the Lord to engage the enemy and to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Yes, we are called by the Lord. Oh, thank God that we are his and he's in us and we're in him and he's made us more than conquerors. Yes, in him we live and move and have our being. We are marked men. We are marked women. I'm telling you, thanks be to God, out of our innermost being, those rivers of living water. Yes, the truth has set us free. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. Yes, praise the Lord. We've been called for such as days like this. We have been armed with the whole armor of God. We have the gospel of Christ, the good news. We've been uh, again, uh, oh yes, joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are, thank God, a part of the redeemed of God. I'll tell you, if you can't shout about that, something's wrong with you. We're called, we're marked men and marked women. But wait a minute, this is what I'm talking about. Mark. There's a second reason why you and I, I know you can't take this. I know this is a lot for you. I know that you can't handle it. Maybe some of you, but some of you are saying, hallelujah, pastor. I love it. This is reality. This is reality. This is reality. Think about it now. Think about it. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Hey, look, we're marked men. Why? And why does God want us to answer his call right here? Because deadly demons are destroyed. Deadly demons are destroyed. If we don't understand we're in a battle, Paul said to Timothy, Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with affairs of this life, that it may please him who had called him to be a soldier. We are not only marked men on a mission. Y'all look at me. God's got a purpose for you and you and you and you and you and you. And do you realize, beloved, when our time runs out, it's over. 
It's over. We've only got a little window right now, and you don't know how much longer God's going to use you. You don't know how much longer God's not going to call you home. How many believe that right now is the time to give our all to Jesus? Right now is the time to let him have his way with us. You think you got tomorrow and the next day, but you and I are not assured of tomorrow the next day. What we do, we better do it now. We'd better serve the Lord now. Serve the Lord. Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. And if you've got a loved one that needs to be saved, I want to tell you, what's it going to take for you to pray for them? What's it going to take for you to share with them how to have a relationship with God? Look here. Deadly demons are destroying the shapes of the locusts. You'll notice, I'll just summarize. Their hair is like women. Their teeth are like lions. They've got tails like scorpions. And they're out to sting. Yeah, like that right there. Amen. They're out to sting. Yeah, they're out to sting the human race. And for five months, they'll torment the human race. Out of their mouth goes fire. Demon-like creatures. Yes, deadly demons. Why do we need to answer God's call? I'm going to tell you something. Yes, there are angels all around us in our homes. But make no mistake about it. The enemy's got your number. And the enemy would love to see you fall or me fall. How many believe that? I said we need God. I said we need answer God's call. Oh, God. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. That's Psalm 127 verse 1. And now to him that's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory, honor, majesty, and power both now and forevermore. That's in Jude verse 24 and 25. Yes, there's no temptation taking you but such as common a man. But God is faithful to not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But we'll with the temptation make a way, a way. In the Greek it means only one way. A way to escape. You might be able to bear it. Oh, praise the Lord. And now to him that's able to keep you from falling. And we're kept by the power of God unto salvation, by faith unto salvation. That's 2 Peter, or rather that's 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Deadly demons are destroying. I believe God's calling some daddies right now to start pleading the blood of Jesus over your family. I can't get a witness. I hope somebody that's listening by way of video is not asleep like I've sent so many of God's people are asleep these days. They don't realize we're in a war and we're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. All it takes for the enemy to plunder the people of God is for the people of God just to be asleep at Zion, at ease in Zion. And the enemy comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. How many know that the enemy would love to wreck your marriage? Hello, how many know that we need to just take a stand against the enemy and his plots and his plans? And if you and I are passive about what I'm talking about, then we've become prey for the enemy. I wish God would open our eyes to see that. I wish God quicken our hearts to believe that. I would to God that God would show us the battle that's all around us like Elisha over there in 2 Kings 6 said, I would God that you'd open up this young man's eyes to see the armies that are all around us. But thank God greater is he in me than he is in the world. I'm afraid to see that we are in the world and unfortunately we can't uh, see the spiritual implications of what we're dealing with today. Deadly demons are destroying. I don't have to tell you about the people that have committed suicide in our beloved community. Right now, I just thought of a man. A man left one Sunday morning. He came to church just like you're sitting right here. I shook his hand. He had been to church about four or five Sundays in a row. 
he was in his early 80s. I shook his hand. I looked at him right in the face. I said, God bless you, man. Thanks for coming. He walked out and got a gun and killed himself. Yeah, live right there on Barnes Mountain Road. I'm telling you, I could go over case after case after case of people that I've known that maybe perhaps you've known. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? And God's given us the lifeline. God's given us this throw out the lifeline. Man, you don't have to listen to the devil. You don't have to be snared by the devil's lies. I want to throw out the lifeline. Grab a hold of it, my friend. Grab a hold of it. Let me pull you out of the devil's domain. Let me tell you about Jesus' gospel. God loves you. God died for you. Jesus rose again. And you and I don't have to perish. Yes, there's a battle. The deadly demons are real. Reminds me of the story of the man that went up on top of the mountain. Maybe you've heard it. I know I've told it in times past. The man got on the top of the mountain. He noticed a rattlesnake up on the top of the mountain. And for some reason, the rattlesnake could speak. And the rattlesnake said to him, pick me up and carry me down in the valley. The man said, I'm not going to pick you up. You're a poisonous snake. You'll bite me. The rattlesnake said, I won't do it. I give you my word. I won't bite you. I give you my word. The man said, I'm not going to pick you up. You're a deadly poisonous snake. The rattlesnake said, I promise I won't bite you. Give you my word. So the man picked up the rattlesnake, carried him down in the valley, put him down on the ground. And about that time, the snake called up, bit him. The man said, you told me, you told me, you promised me you wouldn't bite me. The rattlesnake looked at him and said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. I'm going to believe the devil's come to kill, still and destroy. Oh, yes. There's inroads. Maybe today you're battling with some bad habit. Maybe you've got some kind of stronghold. The enemy's trying to maneuver into your life. Oh, thank God there's power in the blood. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. I'm your friend. I want you to know that. I'm willing to fight the battle with you. And I can tell you that the Lord is the victor. Hallelujah. Yes, we'll read here as we fast forward. We are called by Jesus. Are you going to answer it today? Are you going to answer today? You're going to sit on your blessed assurance and just give a sin by your intellect and saying, I uh, just uh, I, I taste in the sermon? Are you going to put into practice what God's saying to us today? The Lord wants us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Well, so that leads to a third reason. A third reason that the demons are destroyed. We read that. The bottomless pit, this king over Abaddon and the Pagan. I'm fast forward because Jesus is calling. Watch this. The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not. The devil and the demons come out and they began to torment, stinging people for five months. Not the seal of God. We're the blood bought, the blood washed. The church will be raptured before this takes place. Many people will be saved during the tribulation. I believe only those who've heard the, not heard the gospel. I think there's a strong delusion right now working. Listen, beloved, a strong delusion right now that's working. Where I get that from? I would rather, listen, I'm not being critical, but I, I would rather stick with the Scripture than fiction or movies or somebody that's portrayed that there'll be people saved during the tribulation. I know there will, Gentiles. However, there's two thoughts. One says only those who've never heard the gospel will be saved. Only those who've never heard the gospel. Let me go back to it real quick right here. Only those who've never heard the gospel be saved during this time. Time's running out. I think these uh, uh, who've not heard the gospel, maybe uh, 
God's going to send a strong delusion. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 through 10, 11. A incapacity to know the truth. You believe the Bible? How many of y'all believe the Bible? You know what it says in Romans 1? God says that when people reject the truth of God's word, he turns them over to a reprobate. Can y'all hear me? That's what he says. That means an incapacity to know the truth. Bottom line is you can't get saved when you want to get saved. You've got to get saved when the Spirit of God is drawing you because God will say, you want the devil? I'll turn you over to the devil. I would to God, I was thinking about this earlier. I would to God right now, I could stop and tell you case after case in our community of people that you probably witnessed to and I've witnessed to and beg them, please, don't go to hell. Don't listen to the devil. Jesus loves you. He died for you. They turn a deaf ear to it. Listen to the enemy's lies. Maybe somebody's listening right now. Question. Has the devil brought you through? Has the devil been good to you? No, no, he's not good to you. He's not going to be good to you. That's why you ought to answer God's call right now. That's why God's saying it's time to stop playing games. It's time to really, really, really examine. They neither repented for their murderers or their sorcerers. Notice the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not. They didn't have a godly sorrow. I'm sorry to say this. How many of y'all are watching things going on in our culture in this COVID-19? How many of y'all are in our community and you're watching people and you're listening to the anger and the, and the uh, bitterness people are experiencing today? They're not repenting. I'll be honest with you. I thought when this thing hit, I said, hallelujah, there's going to be a great I said, thank God, God's going to usher in a lot of people because it's got our attention. I said, it's got our attention. Have you ever known the United States to shut down and shut down the schools? And shut down the churches. Have you ever known a time not a single one of us have ever been through a time like we are now? I thought, well, bless the Lord and, 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 and all the news and stuff. I thought, man, our community is just going to experience revival. What's happened? I said, what's happened? Have you all seen a change of heart with a lot of people? Have you seen anybody be saved because of this? I am in shock. I am in shock. And I just confess to you, I was totally wrong. I thought people would be flocking to the church. I did. And I know we're still social distancing and all that. I thought people would flock to the church. We need God. We need to depend on... No, still not yet. Still don't repent. Still don't turn. What's it going to take? What is it going to take? That's the message. That's the message I have. Uh, that's the message God's given me. And they should not worship idols and idols. Idols. Keep yourself from idols, little children. I wish I didn't have to say this. My time's gone. You know one of the biggest challenges you have as a Christian, I have as a Christian? It may not be murdering somebody, <laughs> but I'll tell you this, it might be some idols in our life. God knows there's idols in our life. And, and, and these idols, they're not going to send you to eternity lost without God, but they're going to keep you from heaven's best. We put things in our life as more important than Jesus. Y'all are getting quiet on me. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just reading what the Scripture says. Is there anything, is there anything in your life right now that you alter? Anything. Business, job, money, houses, family, children, grandchildren. Anything you need to put on the altar? What is it going to take? There's some of us who've got our eyes that we need to put them on the altar. Put them on the altar. You've been anxious and worried about that thing, and if you don't let it go, you can't control it. Hey, look, 
repented not that they should worship idols, gold and silver and brass and stone. This didn't just happen today. It's happened a long time, which they cannot see or walk. Neither repented they of the murders, nor of the sorcerers, nor of their fornication, nor of the thefts. What's it going to take, beloved? What is it going to take? Yes. God's calling us. Can you hear him calling us? Are you going to answer God's call today? Are you? I wonder if you'd stand to your feet right now, and those listening, we've read the Bible. This is what God's going to do in the future. Are you going to answer? You're, and, and when I say answer God's call, he may not be calling you to preach, but he is calling us as his people to make a difference and to be witnesses. Be witnesses. You're not ashamed of the gospel, are you? Are you afraid that people are going to make fun of you because you don't talk about Jesus? I'm not talking about a Pharisee beating people over the head with a Bible. I'm just talking about let your light shine. Uh, what about it? Has God got somebody on your heart right now that you need to text, that you need to call on the phone? What is it? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Now you can take one or two roads right now. You can listen and say, I'm okay, everything's okay. Or you can say, God, examine me and see if I'm really, really where I ought to be, if there's anything in my life that's unwholesome, I know they're blessings from you, but if I put them before you or anybody that I put before the Lord. Now, it's easy for us to say, oh, I love Jesus with all my heart. Y'all listen, look up here. It's easy for us to say we love Jesus with all of heart. We can all talk the talk, but the bottom line is our lifestyle, our actions after we leave church. It's the proof of the pudding. It's not coming to sing about, oh, how I love Jesus, or preaching. That's not it. It's how we live our life Monday through Saturday, right? How we treat people and uh, how we obey the Lord during the week as well as Sunday. So let's pray together. I love you and I appreciate you. Let's pray for our lost in our community. Last week we had a time of remembrance, gone but not forgotten. I shared with you a young man, 27 years old, that just passed away within a year ago, less than a year ago, and shared with you so many others. So time is running out, beloved. Be encouraged. Strengthen your hand. We're marked men. We're marked women. Leave out of here today full of faith, hope, and love. Leave determined you're going to fulfill God's purpose and plan. And then leave today burdened for those who are not ready to meet the Lord. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your patience with us and your goodness to us. And Father, I pray now you'll search my heart and attitude I've had and self-righteousness that I've experienced and judgmental and critical spirits, our Father, that displeased you. I ask now. Oh, God, for the cleansing of the washing of water of the Word, I pray for all carnal activity in our life to be dealt with, that you'll rid us of the flesh and you'll fill us with Holy Spirit power. Thank you for those that have gathered. Thank you, Father, for your plan. You know what's best for us. And I know there's many today that are facing battles. Help me to get under the burden to pray with them. Help me, Father God, to engage the enemy as you've given us your armor. Oh, God, please, we pray now, as you've knocked on our door, help us to open the door. Many people be gloriously saved and birthed in your family, turning to you and trusting like Andrew, the young man, 36 years old, 
just a few weeks ago, and now he's in eternity. Hallelujah. Oh, God, wake us up, stir us up, and help us to stand up and light up and look up because you're coming again. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.